Ah. Uh-huh. Yep. That's the smell. Uh politics. Whatever you're smelling right now, be it uh blueberry jam or a soft summer rain. Uh the crisp plastic edge of a lanyard as you flick it anxiously whilst awaiting a meeting with, you know, um, some congressman or whatnot. All of these things are politics. And uh, this is politics, baby. That's our bread and butter. Welcome. Uh, this is episode two of round seven of Politics. And I am your host, Tim S. Uh, your, well, your host, I just said that. Um, but also your guide through the jungle of American politics. It's been a uh, eventful week. As always, in the realm of American politics. And so, um, I'm here to kind of uh, hold your hand and walk you through the jungle that's comprised of the stuff that happens in politics. Um, let me, let me, let me let, let's uh, get into that metaphor a bit. <laughs> so, if you think about what politics are, Right? It's like the stuff that happens and the people that do this stuff. So, from my perspective, Tim S., uh, once again, your host and your guide through the jungle of American politics, um, this stuff that happens is kind of like the, the, the Amazon River, right? It's always flowing. It gets bigger sometimes when uh, the economy is strong, I suppose. Um and and then sometimes there's you know uh, piranhas in in that river, and those piranhas are uh, lobbyists, I guess. I don't know. Um, I do know. I do know. I mean, they're the piranhas are lobbyists. That's been established. And the trees that, uh, of course, line the the Amazon River and create a lush canopy on either side of it. Those are like the American people um, that that stand stoically, but also uh, can be impacted by the ebbs and flows of said Amazon River, which is politics. And so I am here as your guide, uh, holding your hand to walk you through that jungle always dangerous and always beset by uh, wonders and horrors towards a kind of promised land. Uh, a, a uh, um, Is there an oasis in a jungle? What would an oasis in a jungle look like? I guess it would be like a drier spot in the jungle where you can kind of just hang out with your friends um, and like 
just set down your backpacks. Uh, and, and I think in this case, one's backpack in the jungle of politics would be like an iPhone. Um, because it contains all the stuff you need every day. It, it, you know, in terms of like emails and Twitters and stuff. Um, you could just like hang out and chill and just have fun as opposed to feeling stressed out and overwhelmed. And so I'm here to make things less stressful, to explain them to you, uh, to clarify uh, some of the complex stuff that happens in in politics, in the jungle of American politics. Now, to be clear, this metaphor has gotten a little bit uh, far afield from the intent of the show because this is a podcast about American politics. And uh, while this jungle metaphor has been, I think, very helpful, and I feel, you know, confident in its uh, usefulness for the listeners, the politicians who listen to this program, um, there will will be no actual discussions of Brazilian politics in this. Uh, I hear that guy who is the, the president of Brazil, I assume it's the president, because why would you call that guy something else? Uh, president's obviously the best word for somebody who's in charge of a country. Um, that Balsarano guy, I hear he's not so great and, um, you know, uh, is doing some bad stuff. We won't get into that. Uh, it's it's not, I'm not going to say it's irrelevant to what's happening. In a, oh, my God. I'm really out of my element right now. I'm so sorry. I feel like I'm I'm kind of breaking an unspoken promise to you, the politicians, the listeners of this program, the listeners of this program, uh, by even mentioning the name of a uh, foreign leader of 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 a country, wherein there is a jungle that contains a river called the Amazon River. Just because it was part of a metaphor that I've been talking about for like kind of a long time now, um, so let's let's bring it back home. Uh, American politics are happening now more than ever. Um, we're in the midst of election season, which is one of my favorite seasons, along with autumn. And so, there's plenty to talk about. Um, One thing that happened this last week is a big convention uh, that occurred in the great state of Georgia, in the fine city of Atlanta. And so, we'll get to that. Uh, I have some thoughts about the big DSA convention that just wrapped up. And I'm going to turn those thoughts into words and then speak those words to you so that you might hear them and be informed. Um, but first, before we get to that, uh, let's talk about the Electoral College. Now, occasionally here at Politics HQ, we get questions from our listeners and fans from our listeners slash fans. Uh, Most of our fans are in fact listeners and a healthy portion of listeners are fans. Um, One would hope. And one of those questions that we received from a listener is the following. Tim S. 
What is the Electoral College? <clears throat> now, one might hear in this question the word college and think, hmm, education. Uh, uh, an important part of the American way of life is receiving an education um, and then paying a lot of money for that education for many years so that you don't forget how valuable it was. Um, and, you know, that's, I guess, my endorsement of uh, the concept of debt. So you can take that to the bank. Well, you can't take it to the bank. They already have it, but you could uh, look at it, look at the, the numbers steadily rising every month, even as you attempt to make payments, um, given the fact that that's how interest works. And none of us, none of us, have jobs that guarantee we actually have enough money to pay for the education that we received. Um, but regardless, pay for it we shall. And that's just how it is. So uh, I would suggest to you, uh, malcontents who complain about that debt, um, why don't you use your fancy degrees to build a time machine and go back in time and uh, grab your 17-year-old self by the lapels and shake them a bit. Not too hard. Uh, I wouldn't want to... Um, you know, accidentally do some permanent damage to your past self, uh, which could cause some kind of butterfly effect that might um, kill you in the future, in which case the timeline would get all sorts of screwed up. But check them gently by the lapels, firmly, and say, hey, idiot, you don't got enough money in the future, don't go to school. Um, learn a trade, like podcasting. But, in fact, the Electoral College is not a college at all. Um, it's a kind of system by which uh, votes are apportioned for presidential elections. And only for presidential elections. Uh, it was devised... And I'm I'm doing I'm doing all this from memory. To be clear, uh, one thing that that I, uh, I I perhaps have not reminded the listeners of recently is that politics isn't about research; it's about opinions. So, in that spirit, I will not be investigating the electoral college through any side of any any site, any sort of research, but rather by calling my own memory, where surely there is an accurate description of the purpose and history of the Electoral College. So that said, um, the Electoral College was devised by our founding fathers. I'm going to guess um, Madison and Hamilton. Um, that's not a guess. That's actually a, uh, an accurate statement. Um, so what happened was that, uh, Madison and Hamilton were like, Hey, we got to have somebody in charge. And, um, that somebody because of how much we don't like Kings better not be a King. Right. And so 
we'll probably have to have some kind of way to figure out who he is. And it would be a he, of course, because uh, <laughs> let's let's not be silly. That's not to dismiss the idea of woman president now, but back then it would have been utterly ridiculous to uh, even conceive of. Uh, the, the stuff of science fiction, which had not yet been invented. Um, so uh, Alexander Hamilton and James Madison, I think that's his name, uh, who were friends. They were famously some of the best friends of the Founding Fathers. Um, they could always be found everywhere together, talking about politics, um, sharing a beer, and mostly back then people shored beers. Um, they shared them because there was not a lot of beer. It was a time of great scarcity. And so beer was precious and uh, two men to show their friendship and devotion to each other would uh, get a, a, a mug and then share it, uh, each taking sips or sometimes taking sips at the same time uh, while one man held the mug and poured it very gently backwards. Um, we've lost this tradition. I think we should bring it back. Uh, I, I think one thing that America lacks these days is a sense of community. And so um, imagine James Madison and Alexander Hamilton, best friends, sitting at a 19th, uh, 18th century pub, um, which probably looked a lot like pubs today, except fewer lights and uh, probably stinkier. Like a like a dark, stinky pub. They're sitting at a table, and they're they're uh, conspiring because the king was still in charge, right? And and so they're they're sitting at this uh, bench, sharing a mug of beer, and thinking about how you, they want to elect somebody because they need to pick them, and they knew about elections because of ancient Athens, and between Athens and America there were no elections, as we all know. And they decided, you know, let's make it real uh, interesting. Let's not just do like proportional votes. Let's say that each state gets a certain number of votes. Um, and then the whole state votes for one. They, they, they've got representatives for the state and all those representatives vote for the guy who gets the most votes. So hypothetically, one could get the most votes for the entire country, but still lose if certain states vote more for one guy over the other. So this was the system they came up with, sharing a beer at a stinky old pub. And all the other founding fathers heard this and they were like, well, that sounds like a lot of fun. Let's not do things the straightforward way. Um, let's Let's mix it up so that uh, in 200 some years, uh, multiple dudes will get elected despite not being the more popular of the two candidates. Oh, and there will only be two candidates. Uh, that's the other piece, is that because the system works the way it does, there will only ever be two viable candidates. And it'll be great because people will get a cool choice. No one likes to choose between more than two things. That's hard. You know, um, there's a reason why coin flips are popular. It's because they're simple, uh, they're efficient, and so that's the electoral college we have today. Um, people vote in different states. 
and then uh, those votes are, are counted up, and whoever gets the most votes in that state wins the the wins the token, and then they map, they pile up all the tokens on the electoral college altar, uh, where in a sense we all worship upon, and then um, whoever has the most tokens wins. And um, it's worked really well because no one's ever complained and no one ever will. And uh, I hope that answers your question. And so thank you to listener Jeff Rambert. That's listener Jeff Rambert at twitter.com for that excellent question, uh, which was not, in fact, listener feedback. But you are welcome to give listener feedback now. Previously, it was banned slash disallowed. Um, I guess banned is kind of the same thing as disallowed, but for clarity's sake, I will just include both of those descriptions. But now you can do it. So you can address your listener feedback to uh, the politics team. Just go to twitter.com slash politics and you can, if you want, uh, specifically address myself, Tim S., or uh, interim co-assistant producer Jazz, or interim co-assistant producer slash intern Billy. That's right. Jazz has been promoted to just co-interim assistant producer, but Billy's still an intern slash interim co-assistant producer. So, um, with that said and done, uh, we can move on to the main topic of the program, the big DSA convention. Um, now, for those of you who are not political experts like myself, you might be wondering, what is DSA? Um, you know, a lot of times we hear acronyms and uh, people don't explain what they are. And I find that to be uh, frustrating, even as a political expert. Um, and oftentimes because of my reputation as a political expert slash fan of politics, um, I will be too afraid to ask, hey, what does that acronym stand for? Um, and... You know, I wish there was some kind of symbol or gesture I could make with my hand so as not to interrupt, but to let the person know that I do not understand the thing they're talking about. Alas, such a thing does not exist as far as I know. Huh. That said, um, a quick Google search, which is not my favorite search engine, but now that Ask Jeeves is no more, uh, it will have to do, uh, has revealed that DSA stands for the Democratic Socialists of America, um, which is a little confusing because there's already a party, political party, called the Democrats. And so I'm not sure if the Democratic Socialists of America are like a more fun version of the Democrats. That's kind of what it sounds like. Uh, I like socializing as much as the next guy. I think it's important to talk to other people and um, sometimes make jokes with them, listen to their stories, uh, ask how their family's doing, and then uh, if the family is doing well, smile and say that's great. 
Uh, if the family is not doing so well, uh, you can say, oh, um, that's too bad. Um, or, mm, or, or you can even go, well, I'm sure things will turn around soon for your family. Those kind of things I think are really important. So uh, I was really excited to hear about this convention of democratic socialists because it sounds like it uh, must be a real fun time. And uh, once I heard about it on Twitter, I decided to try to go. Uh, so I sent a uh, email to dsa.com. I sent it to info at dsa.com. And um, let me read you the, the text of the email I sent. <clears throat> uh, the subject line is one ticket to the big convention, please. And then here's the body of the email. Hello, comma. My name is Tim S. I am the host of a very famous and popular political podcast entitled Politics. And as such, I'm interested in attending your convention in Atlanta, Georgia. I will take one ticket, please. You can send it to this address, P.O. Box. Six nine four two zero New York, New York. And then I won't say the zip code because I want to keep my own privacy. That's right, we have a, a post office box in New York City. In the state of New York. Uh you can send stuff there if you want, but it's really more for um office business. Uh, I would really prefer not to receive fan mail. Uh, it clogs up a lot of space. And frankly, uh, it seems a little unsanitary. I mean, this, this is not to besmirch any of you uh, listeners of this program, the politicians. Uh, but really, I don't know what happens to mail between sending it and getting it. It seems to go into a lot of different boxes and get carried around and uh, smushed together with other pieces of mail, uh, sorted by machines and by by people who are, in a sense, a kind of machine. Oh, wow, that's a that's a thought I don't care to delve into too much, and I'm gonna just tuck that away forever. Um, so I, I don't really like handling mail. Uh, it really it's kind of a last resort for me to, to uh, ask for something to be sent by mail, but I figured a convention ticket was important enough to set aside my own, uh, you know, high sanitary standards. Um, but I'll admit, I never received a ticket. Uh, I assumed that my politely worded email uh, sufficed as a registration. Uh, made my way to Atlanta, Georgia last week. And, uh basically got off the bus and asked around um, every I, I'm trying to think I asked about 30 to 50 people um, where's 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 the where's the big convention uh, and most of them ignored me which frankly is a reaction I'm used to getting these days but a few of them said oh the big convention the big social convention um, that is downtown 
And so uh, I basically looked for the biggest buildings. Usually in my experience, and this is not strictly a political point, in big cities or cities of any kind, uh, the largest buildings tend to be downtown. Uh, You'll find all of the 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 tallest skyscrapers um the sports arenas in in the uh the downtown area so if you want to find uh where the the big stuff is happening i really recommend you check out downtown uh and 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 i think we're all familiar with the uh with the song uh the song downtown uh which I'm tempted to sing for you all. Um, <clears throat> Things could be good when you're downtown. So that's that song. And um, yeah, I, I headed downtown to find the convention. Um, and after. Seven hours of uh, wandering to and fro, um, getting badly sunburned by the oppressive Atlanta heat and sun. One really gets sunburned more by the sun than by the incidental heat coming from the sun. Ooh, that's an interesting question. Is that actually? Ooh, that's more of a science question than a politics question. We'll set that aside. Does one get sunburned by the sun or by the heat that comes from the sun? <laughs> um, oh, that's a toughie. Wish we could talk about that more, but alas, doesn't quite fall in our wheelhouse here at Politics HQ. Um, and eventually found the hotel where the convention was, and I tried to get in to the convention. And they didn't let me. And they were very, uh, mm, I want to say rude, but firm, which I respect. But I still felt very sad that I couldn't go see all the fun times happening with the, the Democrats inside the convention. Um, and I was a little bit at a loss of what to do since I'd come all this way and uh, didn't want to waste the trip, which it would cost me approximately $2,000 both ways um i'm not very good at, at at finding inexpensive bus tickets and so uh really just paid someone to 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 transport me both ways who had uh a big van that was kind of like a bus and that's how much he said it cost so i paid him the money his name was alan um and you know i i didn't I didn't know what to do because I was I was just stuck in this place where I didn't know anybody. So I wandered back outside the hotel um, with no lanyard on, feeling very naked without a lanyard. And I noticed a group of fellas standing across the street from said convention hotel from said hotel with a convention in it. And they were holding signs. Uh, these guys were all, all staying together in a little group. Uh, well, they were, it was a little group, but they were big guys. Was, so, you know, is that is it really a little group if it's comprised of big fellas? Hmm. Another question. That's not quite politics, so we can't talk about it on here. Um. And these guys 
had signs that said um, nice stuff about President Trump and mean things about the people inside the convention, uh, which I thought as soon as I saw this, well, this is some classic politics right here. This is uh, uh, discourse and a little bit of conflict, uh, people with different perspectives. And that's that's really the, the bread and butter of politics, isn't it? Uh, people who have strong opinions, um, holding signs and not talking to each other. Uh, to me, that's, that's really the essence of politics. So I decided, although I'm not a reporter to go over and talk to these guys, um, and let them know, uh, that actually I used to work for Mr. President Trump and I thought that maybe they would uh, like that. And then by extension, like me. Uh, so I then introduced myself to each of them uh, by name, Tim S, shaking their hands firmly and looking each in the eye to establish uh, not dominance, but a kind of confidence and mutual respect. Uh, and I explained uh, that I worked closely with Steve Brannon at the White House and that while I personally do not consider uh, sign holding and uh, protesting to be appropriate behavior for a political expert such as myself. I respect their right to engage in those and other related activities. Um, and so then one of the men who uh, was wearing what I can only describe as a smorgasbord of camouflage took a large jar out of his back pocket I don't know how he was hiding it there. Um, and then he kind of like looked this way and that as if to make sure that no one was watching uh, kind of sneaky like. And he showed the jar to me. Uh, he held it right up in front of my face. And uh, the jar, which was tightly sealed from what I could tell, was clearly labeled Trump farts. Trump farts. Now, I am above all a man of politeness. Uh, I do not like saying no to people, especially to strangers whom I all want very much to like me. Um, and that may be a, a personal weakness, but I actually consider it a personal strength, albeit uh, one that may seem like a weakness to literally everyone else on the planet. Um, and so then after the one Trumpman put the, the jar of farts in my face, uh, the other ones kind of crowded around, uh, looming over me a little like gargoyles, you know, like the, the, mean, the mean guys who hang out on top of buildings. Some of them might be nice. They're mean looking, the mean looking guys who hang on out on top of buildings. Um, and then the, the camouflaged Trumpman uh, placed the jar under my nose and, without asking, uh, unscrewed the top. <clears throat> and uh, honestly, I don't remember a whole lot after that. Uh, here's what I do remember. Um, the Trumpman kind of carried me around the city a little like a child uh, in what I recall to be a sort of 
Wicker Baby Bjorn. Um, and I felt a little like a child king. And I, I remember waving to passersby and um, also at people on signs and billboards with the same vigor and enthusiasm, apparently no longer able to distinguish real people from pictures. Um, but kind of sending a, a, a very similar uh, love of country vibe to all of them. Um, and so even though sometimes that vibe was wasted on fake people who are just pictures on billboards, I feel like in a way um, it was worth it. Um, and so I also remember standing on top of a kind of humid pyramid formed by the Trumpman, uh, my admittedly fairly tiny hands desperately waving what was either an American flag or a big map of the, the good old US of A that uh, we took from a nearby abandoned elementary school, which may have not been abandoned, but may have actually just been closed for the day. Um, but it felt like it was a good idea because they didn't seem to be using the map. And also our education system is a liberal joke. Uh, a liberal communist joke. That's what the Trump Trump men said. Um, and so, oh God, what else do I remember? Uh, at one point we fought a city bus and we won. Uh, we all kind of took some, uh, some sweet exhaust pulls from the tailpipe. Kind of like scuba divers. Uh, just, like, you know, s- suckling oxygen from a, a, a dwindling tank. And we hollered at the dying sun. Until our voices went hoarse. Named it Liar. We begged the ground to give up more precious oil and gas and minerals to never run out. Prayed it would churn up our nation's dead into more fuel for our great American fire. And then one of the Trump men threw up into a statue's ass. Uh, we laughed and laughed. Um, because it was funny. It, uh seeing a guy throw up into a into a statue's ass as the statue just stood there the statues do honestly it was the greatest day of my life all right good night everybody that's politics